Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week we'll be speaking to startup and scale-up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different. Each innovation could be game-changing. I hope you enjoy. So welcome, Series 1, Episode 12. I've got a Helena Chan with me today. Hi, thanks for having and me. You're welcome. So an entrepreneur, somebody who's actually gone on a journey from employment all the way through to being self-employed, creating a business. It would be fantastic to hear your story, Helena, from when you started employment all the way through to where you are today. Sounds great. Um, I think I've always followed the philosophy of do what you love, follow your passion. And so I feel very strongly about giving back. And so the UN was sort of a, a natural calling for me. And so I started doing that about 10 years ago. I worked for non-for-profits, the United Nations, and it was an amazing journey. Somewhere in between that, I sort of fell in love with jewelry when I got engaged with my husband and his colleague's father had diamond dealer connection. So we bought it from her and I designed it with her, the craftsman does pieces for some of the top houses in the world, such as Cartier. And so I fell in love with that whole process, not realizing sort of a bit of a guilt trip, thinking I work for the world's most vulnerable, but I like these beautiful, shiny things. But the woman whom I worked with said, you seem to really enjoy this. Have you thought about taking a course with the Gemological Institute of America? And so I sort of did that on the side. I'm a bit of a nerd. I loved learning that boron makes a diamond blue, nitrogen makes it yellow. And sort of did the course, helped my friends with their engagement rings. And it was sort of a side hobby. At one point for my 30th birthday, my husband decided to get me a sapphire. And it took a year to find the perfect stone and then to design it and and have it set. But it ended up doubling in value. And the woman who had at this point become a friend of mine said, you have a really good eye. Um, And I sort of went, do I want to do this professionally? But I still loved what I did at the UN, still feel strongly about giving back. So wasn't necessarily ready to make that career change, but really thought about it, you know, had a career coach. And then I had a little bit of a nudge in life. So we had, we were in Switzerland. My husband stayed for my job. He had a job offer in London. So I thought this is the nudge you need to take that leap of faith because your biggest regrets in life are not the things that you've done and failed at, but the things that you didn't have the guts to try. So that's when I sort of said, okay, I'm moving countries. I, I should probably use that as just a testing ground. And long story short, I worked for some of the industry's top people, stone dealers, auction houses, uh, retail. And a few months ago, felt ready to start my own business. So I've, I'm sort of condensing 10 to 15 years of a journey but that's sort of the short version of that wow what significant changes so what were the differences then from serving people and working for uh, these bodies such as the un to the a highly commercialized world of jewelry i think the common thread from my perspective is that it's all about people it's about humans for me in the humanitarian causes that I worked for was global health, emergency food aid. And it's always been about the people, their story, their journey. And for me, fine jewelry, any jewelry really, it's, a, it's an expression of yourself, your personality. It's capturing that special memory. It's celebrating something. 
And for me, it took a long time to reconcile that they didn't necessarily, they were mutually exclusive. I think I felt guilty thinking I'm helping the world's, the world's most vulnerable, but I also like very expensive high-end luxury items. But actually what I choose to do with my sort of income is fine. And what, I, what I'm passionate about doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. I think it still comes down to humans and emotion because for me giving back, it's also, it's about people and being grateful that I can give back and being in that position that, you know, growing up in a loving family, having the ability to choose what I, I do and that thread, for me at least, find jewelry, it's about connecting people, that emotion and capturing that. I know mm. it's sort of, it's not um, a very clear link, as in they're polar opposites in some ways, but that's sort of the common thread, the way I see it. When you think about humanitarian causes and fine jewelry, it might not be a sort of obvious link, but that's what speaks to me when you ask about a common thread. Mm, thank you. So moving into the world of selling jewellery. What were your experiences within that industry itself that made you feel actually you could do more than this? You could go and then create your own business? I think it's partially the industry, but partially growing into your own skin and thinking, I want to do this in my own terms. Feeling like you've trained with the world's best and then wanting to do this, doing, choosing to control your time, who you work with, how you work, um, and the freedom to do all of that, if that makes sense. Being an mm -hmm. entrepreneur is such an amazing journey because it's scary and it's exciting. You're challenged. You're growing every day. You're also responsible for your own fate. There's no safety net in some ways. It's the ultimate freedom if you are ready to handle that responsibility, I suppose. Mm, well said. So moving out of that then, creating your own business, hycjewels.com. Tell me how you came about that name. It funny because I originally did not want to name it after myself. I One of the names that I wanted to do was Bodhi Jewels. And I might be pronouncing this wrong, but Bodhi in Sanskrit means the journey to enlightenment. And for me, that was very much what I felt was my journey, um, accepting myself in the two sides that I was, which is a humanitarian and non-for-profit causes. And then the, I love luxury and in some ways the material, the materialistic side of that, you know, it's almost like the opposite journey. Most people will go from corporate wanting um, profit to wanting to give non-for-profit. And so for me to go the opposite, I wondered if there was something wrong, but actually accepting that both sides can exist at the same time. They're both absolutely who I am. So I wanted to name it Body Jewels, but long story short, and there's an American woman who makes uh, handmade silver jewelry who had registered the domain name. So I emailed her saying, would you be willing to sell it to me? And I explained my journey going from the UN to accepting my, my passion for the love of fine jewelry and wanting to start a business. And she was very kind and said, the name Body Jewels has deep meaning for me, personal and spiritual meaning, so I'm not willing to sell it but I wish you best of luck in your journey. And so I consulted with a couple of IP lawyers and they said, because there's that name already in your industry, they recommended I don't choose that name. So in the end, I named it after myself with my initials. Well, at least you'd be creating a, a legacy and you can demonstrate your belief and your passions and meaning through your actions and your name. I think that, that's, that'd be very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Mm. And so... Is this what you truly want to do? I, I know that a number of entrepreneurs have many projects that they want to address and, and deliver upon. Uh, I myself have a number of activities that I have on my mind. So spending the right time in the right place 
uh, focusing on these different projects can be a bit of a challenge. So with yourself, where are you at in terms of your entrepreneurial journey? That is such a great question. For me, HYC Jewels is a passion project. I absolutely love it. It's probably not good business practice to say this, but I've never been about the money. Even, you know, I come from a humanitarian background. We measured success by lives saved, children vaccinated. And for me, it's like if I can bring joy and if I can help create something beautiful while, you know, not going bankrupt and making a little bit of profit, I'm absolutely happy with that. So I intend to continue this business for as long as it makes sense. And in the meantime, I'm also a doer. So I'm figuring out how much of my energy goes into other projects. I volunteer during my free time because I still feel strongly about giving back. I mentor women. I'm also starting a parallel business potentially with a luxury item with dog haulers. I'm sort of dabbling into angel investing as well. I'm super analytical. I love sort of digging into the numbers and the decks and sort of asking the strategic questions. Uh, you know, I'm also trying trying to learn to slow down, which is very hard for me. So the HYC jewels will exist, but I think being a very ambitious person, it's very hard for me to say it's okay if I don't grow it at 2000% in the first year and that I'm turning over X profit, as long as I feel like I'm making progress and living a balanced life and doing other things that are important to me, that's sort of the balance I'm trying to find. Hmm. That's interesting. And with regards to the jewelry itself, uh, with my technology background, uh, I'm aware of technology wearables that are actually jewelry for women mm-hmm. fashion. Have you had any thoughts around that direction or would it be purely the high-end jewelry For the time being, it's fine jewelry in the classic sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a vision and I'm still sort of debating how far down that road I take, which is to create a platform so that you can customize it and personalize it online as much as possible. Right now, it's very uh, labor intensive. We sit down, we do a consultation. We talk about the special occasion, either the stone that you're looking for or the color scheme, the design. I go out and find potential stone sit down with you again we take a look it's a wonderful process because it's interactive and the person is creating that piece with me Mm. but sort of the practical person in me says that's not scalable so I was debating creating this platform but if I'm honest I think that it's a passion project and I love the interaction with people and so part of my debate is then do I just keep this as it is as a very labor-intensive passion project and do it in parallel with something else that's probably going to actually provide the lifestyle that I want. I'm trying to find a balance between not being overly ambitious and being happy with organic growth with HYC Jewels and then maybe finding something else to can actually I can monetize more quickly. If you were to establish significant wealth through the sale of the high-end goods and still service the people through humanitarian work leveraging the mm-hmm. the additional revenue that you've generated there's a, a very complementary sort of business for good approach have you had any thoughts around how you can drive greater humanitarian aid through the businesses that you're building i think that's twofold that's a great question um because of who i am and sort of my dna giving back is something i automatically feel very strongly about so it's not a question about if I do it, it's how and when. So if the business scales up to a, a level that I can, it's going to be either the, a certain percentage of the profits or 
you know, this is hard, this is a bigger challenge, but this, the sourcing of the stones or the metal, um, the craftsmanship where it's made, all of that for me is an automatic thought. Ideally, it gives back, but at the very least does not harm. That's sort of the basic principle. And then through my journey of working in the humanitarian industry and now in the luxury industry, I've also realized that your full-time job doesn't need to be giving back in the sense that I quote unquote selfishly focus on building the business and then volunteering during my free time because that's still me giving back in my own level while building the business to the level that someday can give back from the business directly, if that makes sense. Good course. In addition to that, you mentioned around mentoring women. Could you Mm -hmm. give me a little bit more insight into how you've done that in the past? and how you're thinking about doing that in the future? Absolutely. I think it's it's a man's world, if we want to be frank. It's changing, and I'm grateful for the women before us who paved the way, and what we take for granted today isn't what they had taken, they could take for granted. And I've had some incredible female mentors, mentors in general, but female mentors who helped me when I was at a crossroad or when I was facing a challenge. I remember when I was a student and asking one of my mentors, you've been amazing. Can I pay you back? You know, I'm sort of a young, poor student. And she said, don't worry about paying me back, pay it forward when you are able to help someone else. And I feel that as women, we should really help each other as we're growing, pull each other up. And so for me, it's been through similar things that I was given mentoring women or young girls for just graduating from university, helping them through walking through challenges that they're facing, giving them book recommendations and discussions, um, negotiating better salaries. You know, I had interns that we then hired as consultants and I thought, this woman is great. I'm going to fight for her salary. Um, I'm going to make sure that she gets paid what I think is fair. And it's sort of just having those conversations, connecting. If you see two women who could really get on or they could really help each other, making those connections, little things like that. Wow. And how how did you come across your mentors in the first place? Did you go and seek them out? I would have to say you have to be proactive. And then it comes down to chemistry. Uh, You know, for every, let's say, 10 that I reached out to, maybe one, you would end up having a long lasting sort of relationship and conversation. And it's it comes down to time. Some, you know, successful people in general have limited time comes down to chemistry, comes down to outlook in life. But it's being proactive and saying, and it doesn't necessarily have to be spelt out like I'm looking for a mentor. It could be, I need advice on X and you happen to have gone down this path. Could you advise me on that? Or um, a lot of it happens organically if you're just proactive and open to speaking to people. Great. And so would this be a service that you would charge uh, as a mentor moving forward? No, I've met incredible, generous people and I would like to give that without no, not not at all. I don't think I'd monetize on this. Oh, so any ladies listening, uh, you know who to call. <laughs> have a conversation with Helena and uh, see whether you have the chemistry to, to move forward and, and work together. And, and then eventually you, the listener, pay forward. Highly commendable, Helena. Thank you. Can I just go back and talk about the jewellery company again? The sourcing of materials. You've had some mm-hmm. experience of that in the past. How do you go about sourcing the jewelry in the first place is there a particular marketplace that you can acquire unpolished stones it's a whole industry i mean it's fascinating from the mining to the cutting to everything there's an expert so it's hard to answer that question mm. in terms of i go to x to source stones um, it depends on the stone it depends on the 
price range depends on so many different things. Uh, so it's a little bit hard for me to answer that question. It's the industry is very traditional in many ways and it's all about trust. So your reputation is absolutely key. And, you know, often people will hand over a very expensive stone with nothing but maybe a signed piece of paper. Mm. So, you know, it's based on trust and it's based on your, your reputation. Mm. So the whole point of our conversations is to capture a moment in time, Helena, today, where, where you've come from, uh, where you are today and where you plan to be in the next 12 months. So could you give me an idea and the listeners, of course, to where you expect to see yourself this time next year? I think it's really exciting because I feel like I'm at the beginning of a journey in terms of being an entrepreneur, investing growing in a whole new area that I haven't done before and I started this journey earlier this year so next year this time hopefully I'm a little bit more sure-footed in some ways in terms of how I divide my energy I hope that I'm living a very balanced life and that means curbing my ambition on let's say the career side and making sure I am doing many different things that bring me joy that bring other people joy and that give back and that perhaps one year from now I can give someone where I am now advice on how to decide where to use your energy what to do where to go or who to go to you know what books read I don't know what meditation tools to use hopefully I can then give sage advice to people that are a couple of steps behind me Mm. you mentioned books so are there any particular Mm -hmm books that you're reading at the moment that you could share with the listeners that would be very helpful in helping their continual learning? I'm a bit of a nerd, so I love reading when I can. One of my favorite books, and I read this quite a few years ago, um, and I go back to it. And it's funny, I was part of the NetWest Accelerator Program, and they touch upon that as well a lot. It's called Mindset Mm -hmm. by Carol Dweck. And it's about how you think in terms of the world learning, failing, because no one's born perfect no you know some people might be born with higher IQs but that doesn't necessarily guarantee success and mindset is looking at how you position your views and how that can help you succeed and for parents new parents future parents it's also a great book because it teaches you how to be a better parent and it's not about saying to your child oh you're very smart but it's about the attitude that they take towards tackling and solving problems rather than giving praise on a, a skill that you think they were born with, if that makes sense. Mm, it does. And it's very important to, to underline that mindset. Uh, it's, it's amazing how you can see the world differently if you just flip the way you view things, the way you view yourself as well. And if you can be self-critical in a positive way, absolutely, you, you can then continually drive yourself to improve without harming anybody else, without putting other people down. Yeah, so that's a book that I highly recommend. Um, another one that I love is The Power of Habit mm-hmm. by Charles Duhigg. And it talks, I think on average, it takes about two weeks for you to really cement habits. And it's fascinating. They talk about how toothpaste we have this minty taste that's actually to get us into the habit of brushing our teeth every day. It's actually not needed in terms of the, the taste of the bubbles or the shampoo. But that book is really interesting because if you can think about that and plan how you can incorporate certain habits over the long run, your life will change. It doesn't have to be a drastic thing, but it's understanding how you psychologically you build habits, good or bad, and how you can break those and, and reset them. Interesting. I did not. I did not think about the minty freshness being that of uh, 
encouraging you to come back and brushing your teeth again. So that's very interesting. Or the bubbles in your shampoo, that's also not needed. It's for the psychology to get you to think, oh, my hair is actually clean. And so that's that's coming down to habit rather than practical use. Excellent. So mindset and power of habit. Two great books. Thank you. Great recommendations. And I'm, I'm trying to remember my favorite quote. Um, yeah, so Aristotle's quote is, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And so reading that book, it's, you know, when people strive for excellence, it's not something you do for a short period of time. It's something you do every day that you build and over time, it becomes something big. And that's actually the same thing for businesses. It doesn't have a year, sometimes 10. But if you just keep going one foot in front of the other, that's how you're going to reach excellence. Yes. And then when you take a look back to see where you've gone, where you've come from, it's amazing how far you have. And then you continue striding on forward. It's a great quote. And that's why I'm very excited about your project, because you will basically capture that journey as we put one foot in front of the other, we will stumble, we will get up. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's about endurance, perseverance, mm. and making a habit. Exactly. And ev- every person has their own story in life. Can get in the way sometimes of your ambitions and um, just circumstances. And, and if you can capture those and see how these individuals pivot, how they adjust and uh, overcome those sorts of challenges as well. In addition to the, the business or commercial life uh, as an entrepreneur, it, it proves a great, great learnings for other people. And yes, there, there are many podcasts out there that talk about what has been done before. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, business celebrities that have made extreme amounts of wealth that look back on their life. How much of that do they remember? Truly, the, the, the hardship, the hurt, the time. Yes, they can cover it off in a sentence. But with this project, this podcast, the idea is to get a bit more insight into the individuals as you grow and as you scale your personal journey and also your entrepreneurial life. And I think it's a little bit more real in the sense that when you are at the top of the mountain, like you said, it's hard to remember the the hard moments and you sort of gloss over that. Hmm. But if you record it as people are going through that journey, they remember, they can describe what's happening in that moment. And so when you look back, it's a lot more detailed and rich in information. Hopefully that's coming across to the listeners. (laughs) But thank you for that observation. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking to do. So which people have influenced you the most when looking at your entrepreneurial life? Who inspires you the most at this point in time? That's a good question. I don't have an entrepreneur that I look at and I say, awesome. I think there's loads of them, you know, each one with their own story. And the common thread for me is that they're perseverant. They get up every time they fail. And on the personal side, it's your family, your loved ones, because they are there to pick you up when you fall down. And so my, I'm sorry, I don't have like one individual to name. I think it's your ecosystem and your environment. Yes, that... your family and your friends that can pick you up when you're down, um, that they they push you on they they challenge you as well at times your family knows you best they know you at your best at your worst they pick you up when you don't when you don't have enough confidence in yourself and they challenge you when you probably your head is getting too big or you're going down the wrong direction they will probably tell you what you don't want to hear but they usually have your best interest at heart mm. so they're the cheerleaders and what, what I'm intrigued about actually is the relate I don't want to go into do too much detail but the relationship with your husband where he got a, a, an opportunity to go to London uh, for his career 
uh, you moved with mm -hmm. him and you saw that as an opportunity for yourself to build mm -hmm. a business. So to me, that means that you're working in partnership and that's very important to any woman in technology, in business, in life that's looking to develop and create something themselves and whether that be a career as an employee or whether that be a business owner, an entrepreneur. Yeah, my mom said to me that your two biggest decisions in life are going to be your career choice and your partner life. And I could not have asked for better partner life. My husband's incredibly supportive. He challenges me. He pushes me. He also believes in me. If you look at most successful people, they had an incredible partner. Whether they're in the public eye or not, they have been quietly supporting them, complimenting them. My husband and I are great compliments to each other. So for me, I'm grateful because that journey, I'm not alone in that. I absolutely have a life partner to go through, you know, the life adventures, the ups and downs, the career, the questions. And that makes it so much more joyful and such a rich life. And that's great advice as well, uh, in terms of picking a life partner. Not many people have a mother like yours that, that is so worldly wise and able to express that important decision. And uh, yeah, some, thank you, Mom. <laughs> so, yeah, some people go from relationship to relationship that have not been positive in their lives. And it can be a shame. But if they take ownership, take control, take a view of what they need, what they want, and who, the, who would be important to them, who's complementary without overpowering them, I think being yeah, an equal and, is, and is important. I think, obviously, people want different dynamics and relationships. For, but for me... I found someone that is an equal or a partner. And so together we're actually better, if that makes sense. He makes me a better person. And I think I make him a better person. Amazing. And moving on to time and availability of time as an entrepreneur. If you've got the, uh, one major project you're working on and you have a number of other ideas and you're filling your, your time and your, your mind space up with those ideas and certain actions that are lining up on your to-do list, how do you go about spending your time do you exercise, for instance? I, I believe in mind, body and, and spirit and an element of spirit is driven from uh, both the working life, but also the physical exercise. Two thoughts on that. One is a practical one. Another book recommendation, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That helps you prioritize the urgent, non-urgent, all of that. So I, I sort of, there's a, a four quadrant thing that you can write down and I haven't perfected it by any means. I walk my dog every morning for an hour and it's, you know, gentle exercise in the body, but it's amazing for the soul. You take in the fresh air, whether it's rain or shine, cold or warm. You, you interact with other dog walkers. You spend quality time with your dog, probably a friend if you're walking your dog with your friend. And it's just time to sort of enjoy and smell the roses. I hear you. When I was living at the in-laws and they were very fortunate to have quite a big rolling fields uh, out the back, out of their gates, and uh, they've got a border collie. And I uh, took took him on a, a walk on a, on occasion. And yes, it is very uplifting, is probably the word I'd use, to walk with nature, with your dog, and uh, have time to think, breathe in the fresh air, and just reflect. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm really grateful for as an entrepreneur is you have more control over your time. Because we all know that you end up actually working longer hours. But for example, a friend of mine is also an entrepreneur and if we both happen to have the time off together, we'll go on Monday from, let's say, 7 and we'll walk our dogs until 10 or 11 
and we'll, you know, we'll drive out there and have a long walk with them and enjoy that scenery, come back and you start your day at 11, you know, you work through until the evening, but you have control over that and you get to enjoy the quote unquote little things in life, such as a nice walk with a friend in mother nature. There, there is a question that I normally ask every entrepreneur and hopefully the answer is different every year. It's what would you do differently knowing what you know now? I don't think I would. It's not that I've done everything perfectly. It's not that I haven't made mistakes, but mistakes help you grow. And without making them, you wouldn't necessarily have learned a valuable lesson. And I often Mm. feel that our biggest quote unquote failures are our biggest moments for growth. I don't think I would do anything differently. I live by the philosophy of live life without regrets. And that doesn't mean don't try things. It means just just try. And even if you make a mistake, you've done it. Talking about that, the trying things, doing things. So many people get halted by the fear of what might happen. What would happen if it went wrong? You know, perfection is the enemy of progress. And there was an interesting article in the New York Times a few years ago when they interviewed people sort of um, in their 70s, 80s, plus sort of asking what were your biggest regrets and the author said that the most common thread was things that they didn't try not things that they tried and failed at and so that I go back to that philosophy live life without regrets just do it the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't quite work out you would have learned from that and then on that note I think it's a great time to to wrap up our conversation and just go and do it whatever whatever the idea whatever the the thought you have obviously plan document and then just go do. Helena, thank you so much for your time and uh, the insights of your journey to date. Really do look forward to, to speaking again this time next year uh, to see how you're progressing. Thank you for having me and for doing this. I'm really excited to watch how all the different people you interview grow and to watch your journey as well as you grow with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Helena. Thank you. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know. So you can connect with me on Twitter. Just type in Bash in the search and you'll find me. So Bash, B-A-S-H. Easy. On Instagram, it's Bash Reality. So that's Bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe. And until next week... Cheers.